folks. Welcome to another American Scouser podcast. I'm your host, Aris Chris, and along with me, I have American Scousers OG Tamuchin up there in Chicago. How you doing, mate? Oh, man. Happy and in a good mood. <laughs> and uh, over to my east, uh, maybe a little northeast, I have uh, Hooch out there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How you doing, dude? No, I'm good, man. A little bit better than Sunday, so I can't complain. <laughs> I think we're all a bit better than Sunday. Um, so, yeah, let's let's jump straight into it. Liverpool 4, Crystal Palace 0. Um, I think this was the uh, this was the performance we were all hoping to see coming back. Um, it didn't quite happen on Sunday, but anything can happen with the Derby. Uh, overall, Tim, before we get into the, 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 the ins and outs of the game, um, how are you actually feeling? Man, that was impressive. That was kind of like, a, this is why this team is the champion kind of thing. Because, I mean, if you watch the Everton game, and like you're saying, you know, we never really do that well. I mean, it's hard to dominate so Goodison and stuff anyway. But uh, but you're watching City kind of like dominate the last couple of games they played. And you're like, how the hell are we like this many points ahead of this team? And today was like, well, this is how. I mean, that was probably the most dominant performance we've seen from Liverpool in months, really. And not only because of the gap, but I mean, in a while, that was just pure dominance, man. It was, I'm still like smiling. Just, that was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Hooch, uh, we're going to jump straight into it. I mean, it started off sort of a little back and forward and then we took control. And, and I thought for the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, we were kind of knocking on the door, but it looked like it was going to be one of those days, the genie miss, uh, things like that. I mean, What's your thoughts on that? Um, I thought just from the get, we looked a lot better than we looked against Everton. I don't know if it has with uh, Robbo coming back in the lineup, Sam and Sala. But with that midfield three with Fabinho, Henderson, and Autumn, they just looked like they didn't miss a step. And it looked like a, there was an air of comfortability against with them. And um, I thought, you know, it was just going to be a matter of time because we were getting the chances. And with the quality we have on the pitch, eventually one of those is going to find the back of the net. And once you get one, you get two, you get three. And – um it looked good because, you know, the way City's been looking um, and every two matches back, and we look kind of like a step behind, look a little bit sluggish against Everton. It was good to put out that dominant performance to say, yeah, we're still 20, some points up. This is still our leg. We're still going to win it, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. Exactly, man. Perfect. Uh, so let's get on to it. Uh, that free kick, execute order 66. Uh, <laughs> Trent Alexander-Arnold bends one into the corner, man. It was, man, sublime. Hooch, uh, you don't get to see uh, many quality free ta- free kick takers, and we had a little chat in the, in our in our Discord group uh, about our favorite free kick takers of all time, uh, and the way Trent is 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 sort of starting to rack these up. I, I, in a few years' time, he could be up there with with the big names uh, as the great free kick takers because that was beautiful. Uh, yeah, I wish I would have documented it somewhere, but I was telling my bartender because she was asking, oh, like, what's the deal? Well, you know, it's like, he's going to put this up and right. And she's like, what's that mean? I said, just what? I'm like, if Trent takes it, he's going to put it where in, in without, I mean, 30 seconds later, he buried it. And she looked at me, I'm like, he just, for being as young <laughs> as he is and as calm as he is on a spot, I mean, he can pick his spots out no matter where he needs to go. And yeah, uh, yeah you figure looking at him now, he's a young age and, you know, the more and more experience he gets, he's going to be deadly going forward. For sure. Tim, I, I was um, – I saw his interview on NBC just, just after the game 
um, and his composure and how he holds himself for, for such a young player and to be at the heights that he is um, at that age. Uh, I mean, the, the kid is literally a legend in Liverpool right now um, at the age of 20, 21. Um, I mean, it, it takes players their whole career to get the adoration this kid's getting, um, but he seems to be handling it well. I mean, what's your thoughts on young Trent? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you're saying legends for a kid, literally, in the same yeah. sentence. And that's amazing by itself. And, I mean, there's, like, a lot of things to that. Obviously, you know, growing up through the system and stuff like that helps. Um, big thing that doesn't get credit probably is that, you know, the people in that locker room and, like, the leaders of that team, people who set the example, like Henderson, Milner, you know, Van Dyke, all yeah. these players, like, they're, like, great examples to follow for him. So, I mean, that's huge by itself. Uh, but, I mean, watching him develop, I mean, when he had that, you know, he had a poor game against Everton. And, you know, like, I mean, obviously, you're going to get criticized when you don't have a great game. But, I mean, we forget. It's almost like a reminder that he's still a kid, and which is it should be scary for opponents. I mean, one thing about having somebody like that, and he had a couple of those shots. I mean, you almost scored against Everton as well in one of those free kicks. Yeah. When you have somebody like that on your team who's that dangerous – it affects how defense plays because you don't want to fall in those spots knowing you don't want to give them, you know, those opportunities. So it kind of affects how you play as a defensive player, which kind of like, you know, and that split second of you thinking it over saying, I don't want to foul here. I don't want to go for that tackle here. That hesitance by itself creates other opportunities. So it's huge to have a player like that on your team who can kind of like take advantage of those opportunities and just put pressure on the other team. But I'm like so impressed with the kid. And like you're saying, and whenever you listen to him talk, uh, how he carries himself, the things he says, I mean, you can tell he was raised right for one and you can tell he's surrounded by like a, a lot of good leaders for two. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit calling him a legend. I say he's becoming a legend possibly. I mean, if he hasn't already reached that status. Um, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to be putting too much out there and getting absolutely slaughtered in the Facebook group for that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, so let's get back to the game. Um, the the Cahill handball in thirty six minutes. Uh, what's your thought on that one, Hooch? Was it a penalty? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think the way he came in at it and. He kind of had his arm out for balance, but the way he came down on it, and it looked like he stopped. Yeah. And you're looking at it, and you're like, all right, on first glance, it's a 50-50 call. But then once you see the replay and with the VAR and everything, you're like, how can you at least have a look at it? Yeah. So you have a look, and then if Atkinson decides, okay, it's not a handball, okay, cool, but you had to look at it. But you had to – I mean, we're watching it, and I'm just like, there's no way. He smacked yeah. the ball straight down, and I, I mean, I don't, if that's not at least a cause for VAR, and then what's the point in having it? <laughs> yeah. The way the way I kind of looked at it was if Sissoko's was a handball in the Champions League final, that was definitely a handball. What do you think, Tim? Exactly. It was like a – I mean, it's a great move in volleyball to, you know, like it's just like block <laughs> a fight. But I just didn't understand how they did not go back and watch it. I just had to – even in our chat, I was like, do we not have VAR? What's going on? Because the ball was in play for quite some time after that. So they had yeah. plenty of time to go and watch that and stop the game. I don't know if they saw what was coming. And we had that Van Dyke thing right before then, I believe, yeah. or was it right afterwards? But right afterwards. So that was like back-to-back -back there. Yeah. I mean, the Van Dyke thing, you can kind of understand to some extent because, honestly, if they called those, we would probably have like two, three penalties a game. 
which this one was a bit more obnoxious than normal pulling and pushing and stuff like that than what you see in the box at a corner kick. But that handball with the proximity thing out of the equation now, I thought that was like a clear penalty that we kind of got screwed on and good thing it didn't come back to haunt us. Yeah. Um, and 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 that, that's the thing. It's kind of like, you know, um, the whole joke of, of liver, live VAR pool. Um, <laughs> and like, we were getting all these decisions and then you see stuff like that and we're not even getting, we're not even getting the VAR chance, you know? So it, it's kind of like, uh, all right, then, you know, we're, we're killing your jokes, you know, uh, in the process by this, but uh, we move on. And um, the Mo chance from distance, Hennessy comes out to clear the ball and, and, and it was almost a, a carbon copy of the, uh, the goal Mo scored from uh, against City. Um, he was just a little bit off target, catching Hennessy off his line. Um, and then we move on to the actual goal. Um, Fabinho, who, who for me was my man of the match, um, sublime assist. Uh, great control from Moa and an absolute crack and finish in the 44th minute. Um, Hutch, um, what, what did you make of Fabinho's performance tonight? Um, he looked like he settled in nicely. Uh, He's always that guy, you know, you know what he has defensively. He'll step up, make the t- tough challenge. He'll take on anybody. But then when you said he plays the ball in the middle like that, right over the top, and drops on a, on his foot, and you're reminded of his quality. You're like, all right, he's more than just a DM. He can, you know, going forward, or he can chip that pass over the top and makes defenses thing twice. Uh, and then, like you said, his goal. I mean, that's a, it was, his goal was almost it was at the beginning of uh, this year's first city match. He just teed it up and said, here it comes. No curve, really, no bend. I'm lining it up. Yeah. Stop it. And he couldn't do it. And that's <laughs> great, you know, going forward for him. I mean, that's a great confidence build. Every little thing that happens in these first matches back, this has to be little confidence builders going forward yeah. for the team. Yeah, yeah. To mention, I mean, I, I'd noticed with Fabinho's performance and, and uh, the Rubble chance around 52 minutes, uh, it was his tackle on Max Marr back at the on our box. And the ball moved forward, and Robert Robert Rubble had uh, a strike. And then two minutes later, Fabinho with just an absolute rocket, as, as Hutch mentioned there, it was kind of similar to the City goal. Uh, Hennessy had no chance. I I was running around the living room. I love Fabinho. Um, what a strike. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was very dominant throughout the game. I mean, there's so many great performances out there today, but, yeah, he would have to get the – uh, player of the match, I would think. But um, I, again, like having that available, because nobody went up to him, uh, even like pressured the ball. But honestly, before you even get to that situation, and that was kind of like the theme throughout the night, I just loved watching how we were hunting Crystal Palace all over the field and in packs. Like whenever the ball was, you know, whenever they had possession, we had three people on him right away and just getting the possession right back. And right before that goal, I mean, there were like three guys basically like just pouncing on the ball, stealing it, and then it just kind of like moves around and comes back to Fabinho again. But uh, I think it's key for him to be able to do that. Uh, Like Hooch says, we kind of know what he can do defensively. Uh, But I think one thing when, you know, people obviously, fair or not, compare him to Henderson uh, when Henderson was playing there, even though he was yeah. playing out of position. I think one thing he lacks compared to what Henderson is, is how fast he moves the ball. Um, so as he gets, as he improves more on that, and if he can get this, you know, 
the threat of that shot alone, again, like we were talking about with Trent earlier, I mean, these things affect how the defense plays. So if you have that threat, you're kind of like pulling people towards you, which obviously opens up space behind. So I'm excited to see him like kind of hopefully regain the form he had before that injury uh, when he was out for a while, because he was just so dominant in the center of the field. But then when he came back, it was just not the same guy so let's hope today was kind of like when he flipped the switch and we can, because when he was on, we were clearly yeah. dominating in the middle of the field. I, I actually think he, he might have possibly just, there might have just been a bit of holding back, um, maybe afraid to get injured again. Um, and the way the team was playing, the way everybody's playing, uh, maybe a little fear that he wouldn't get back into the squad uh, and it maybe affected his performances a little bit. Um, but yeah, as you said, like, he, he has the ability to be a completely dominant central defensive midfielder. Uh, and if he's adding assists and goals to his game, um, that makes us even more of a potent force, uh, especially if he's striking them from 35 yards. Um, <laughs> like, that's just ridiculous. Um, uh, speaking of Hendo, um, he gets subbed off for Ox in, on 63. Um, I mean, Ox, again, he's another one coming from, back from long injuries and having to sort of get some more game time. And then that layoff obviously helped him with his, his recovery uh, and getting himself back up to 100% fitness as well. So um, it's good to get see him get minutes. Um, and then, obviously, uh, the final goal. Uh, Sadio Mane finally gets his goal. Uh, Mo Salah assist. Hooch, just before the water break. Uh, beautiful finish, beautiful team goal. Um Again, more to what do we expect? And, and it's Mane versus Salah for the Golden Boot again this year, is it? Uh, he looks that way, especially with, uh, I saw the news clip today. Aguero's out for the time being with a knee and surgery, so he's done. He's out of the conversation. Yeah, meniscus um, terror, that's, that, that's a horrible injury. Um, yeah, horrible, but, horrible yeah injury. The way, I mean, the way saw, uh, Mo played him through, you know, he got the yeah. ball one touch and boom, played him through perfect. And Saudi, I mean, Saudi was on fire today, up and down the left side. Just everything he did, he was looking. If he wasn't shooting, he was creating. He didn't really take any like passive touches. Everything he did, he did with a purpose. There was no wasted movement on his part. And um, just what we come to expect from him, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a great performance from him. It was nice to see Mo set him up for the goal. Because yeah. it goes back to the whole, if you, you know, you were online – Mo does it. Mo selfish. Mo does that. So they don't get along. But you know, Mo put them through and <laughs> clinical finish. Yeah, and and the, that's it. To mention, it. it's good to see them both on the thing. And and for me, you know, people are talking about Hendo for Player of the Year. Um, I, I actually want to push Sadio Mane forward for Player of the Year because I think I could probably count on one hand the amount of maybe even if there's enough to fill one hand of the bad games that Sadio Mane had. Like even when he doesn't score, he's involved. He's in people's faces. He's winning the ball back. He's just doing ridiculous things to make players look stupid. Um, do, what's your thoughts on, on Sadio and, and his performance today? I think his style of play kind of like brings that. He's such a hard guy to defend. I mean, even like you think he just had a bad touch and his leg suddenly extends that ends up being a pass and stuff like that. I mean, and the way he, he can move, his agility, the way he can change direction, he's a tough guy to defend, and he does have that work rate. So, yeah, you never see, even if he might not be, you know, finishing well or, like, passing-wise, 
you kind of see him like tracking back, defending, winning the ball, holding the ball and things like that. I mean, I spent a good part of my last two, three years defending Hendo against the Hendo haters. So I will have to go with Hendo just to keep, you know, the project come to an end here. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I would say a close second just because, I mean, I can just off the top of my head, think of a bunch of games where it was not looking great and I think that was like the Southampton game, for example, that comes to mind. I mean, I can probably list out like three, four games where it was not looking so good, looked kind of bleak, and a moment of brilliance by Sadio kind of like turns things around. Uh, we had that comeback against, I think it was like Newcastle. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like a bunch of games, like I say. I mean, I, I definitely see what you're saying, and it's kind of hard to argue against because there are so many points, but... I've kind of made this handle mission going here, so I might as well finish it off and get him the player <laughs> of the year. Yeah, Hooch, what do you think, man? Uh, in that sort of battle between Manny and Hendo for player of the year, who, who, who are you siding with? Um, well, a, a disclaimer, I was once a Hendo hater. I just um, – It's like I an think, AA meeting here, okay. <laughs> but I think, no, a lot of it for me was um, – like how when Klopp first came in, how he wanted to play going forward and press, and then the ball would get the handle, he would stop and he would pass backwards or sideways. And you're like, there's forward passes to make. But then you realize, you know, Hendo's still relatively young. I mean, now he's just turned 30, but, you know, he was still learning and it was a different position for him. And now you can see the game slowed down for him. So now he makes those passes where, you know, two years ago you're watching, you're like, you could have made that diagonal, you could have switched the ball instead of going straight back. But uh, I think. I think on just the whole – for him being our captain this year for and we're going to win the league, I think Hendo's going to get the player of the year. I think he deserves it. I mean, he was basically sold off. If you're you know looking yeah. back on uh, uh, when he was up with Brendan Rodgers, he was done. He said, no, I want to stay. I want to play. I want to earn my spot. And uh, I think for that, I mean, maybe you shouldn't get a – not a lifetime achievement award, but I think <laughs> – for what he's done and what he's persevered yeah. through, I think he deserves it this year. Yeah. If if um if you're kind of new to, to Liverpool and, and things, uh, you just came in the last couple of years and you don't know about Jordan Henderson and you don't know that story about him almost being swapped for Clint, Clint Dempsey of Fulham, uh, that famous American striker, Captain America. Um, you should uh, check out the story by David Myler. If you can look at, just Google David Myler, uh, Jordan Henderson, Liverpool story. And he tells the story. He was there uh, when Jordan Henderson got the phone call from Brendan Rodgers. And you just have to listen to him tell that story. And it just epitomizes Hendo for me. Uh, and and check out also um, him squaring off against Diego Costa. Uh, that just tells everything you need to know about Jordan Henderson. I was also a, a little bit of a Hendo hater for a minute. I th- Not so much a hater, more, a, more of a, um, I thought he, had, he was done. I thought the heel injury had finished him. And I thought he wasn't going to be able to come back for it because he kept breaking down with the injury and he he, he was struggling to get a place in the side. And, and I figured it was time to maybe pass the arm down, armband to Virgil. Um, but he's completely proved me wrong and come back and just obliterated. You know, I mean, just... What I like about him the best, and this is probably... I mean, players like that, I love. And I think that's, that's a good example. You know, we're talking about earlier with like Trent and stuff like that. Like Hendo, Milner... These guys are not the most skilled. They're not the fastest. They're not the quickest and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, the work rates and how hard they're willing to work at any given time. I mean, you can tell the sincere, like, admiration and love Klopp has for Hendo. 
anytime you watch them interact because I think that he's almost like an extension of Klopp on the field in terms of pushing that intensity. You cannot look at Handel and take things easy. I mean, the way he plays the game, it's just not doable. And I just, I mean, there was a, a point, I think it was like the first half when there was like a bad pass and, you know, everybody was kind of like, ah, and you could, under normal conditions, that might just roll to be a throw-in and then we kind of turn the ball over or whatever. Yeah. It was kind of like we were building the play. He hauled ass over there to get that ball <laughs> and pass it back to Ellison. And, you know, it's just that kind of an attitude, like, no, I'm not going to let anything go. Anybody else, nobody else sprinted that ball, even though Van Dijk was actually closer. He yeah. sprinted there, got that ball, and passed it back before it went out of bounds. It's yeah. that kind of like tenacity that he brings that I just love watching. And I'm glad he's getting the recognition now. Because like Hooch was saying, he was playing out of position. And it's sadly a position that is rarely recognized, even though they do the most work as defensive midfielder. Because they're not on the score sheet as much. They don't get the assist as much. But they do most of the work. Unless you're Xavi Alonso. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially on this team right now, though, yeah. with you know the role that you know defensive midfielders play and midfield plays, so that Trent and Robo can like kind of push up front. So yeah, I could not be happier for the guy, and I think Klopp feels the same way. I mean, I always go back to uh, after we won the Champions League. Uh, one of the things he said in the press conference was like one of the most. Uh, like the rewarding feeling was being able to say Henderson is the captain of the Champions League winner. So I think he kind of appreciates that. And I'm sure he feels bad for him not getting the respect overall from people like Hooch, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so uh, moving on, we, we saw out the game uh, pretty easily. I just want to sort of touch on the substitutions a little bit. Um, Nico Williams come on for uh, for Trent in the 73rd minute along with Minamino for Bobby. I think it's pretty clear what Minamino's role is going to be in this in this team, and, and it's going to be um, as a backup for Bobby. Um, and what I'm seeing of the kid and his, and his attitude and his work rate, um, I, I think it's going to be a good thing uh, when he eventually starts to find his stride uh, and his place in in the, uh, the whole environment of Liverpool, uh, so to speak. Um, and again, the later subs, Elliot Ferrabo, um, we went a wee bit more attacking towards the end there um, and cater for money. So, um, again, Elliot's another one of those players that I'm really excited about. Um, I had a chat with one of my one of my mates, Dan, um, up in Vermont. He was he was talking about Nico. He's a fan of Nico Williams and he thinks he's, he's a really good understudy for... Uh, he's a really good understudy to Trent. Um, he's young enough. Uh, maybe he takes a little bit too long on the ball. But I think that's something that everybody sort of struggles with when they first come into this team because we move the ball around so fast. Um, Hooch, what, what was your thoughts on, on the younger guys and the new players coming in? Um, I liked it. I think, you know, even though it's still, you know, the stadiums are empty, it's still playing at first-team football, and you're just getting that experience. And you you blend the team well. Like you said, Nick, Nico's slowing the ball a little bit. But, you know, maybe uh, – Mo or you know Henry, hey, I had you had me here. Just like look up a split second faster, and it's nothing but uh, learning. I guess I think I read an article. They said that in the summer they're not really looking for a cover for Trent because they feel Nico Williams would step up. And with the whole eco uh, economic situation going on with Premier League, 
you know, you can't go out and afford to spend money on backups. You kind of have to have them homegrown. And with yeah. the lead that we have in the league, it's kind of a nice, uh, nice problem to have it. Hey, you know, we can throw these young, the younger kids out there and there's really, if we are up like this, let them go out and uh, get their legs under them. And if they mess up a time or two, we have that uh, cushion in the league that's not really going to hurt us too bad. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we're, we're basically – we're essentially one point away from – two points away from winning the league. Um, you know, Chelsea and City draw tomorrow. We're champions. Um, and we can afford to throw those young guys out and get them experience in the Premier League um, so that, you know, when, once we get the preseason and we start next year, um, you know, they have that experience and they've got that under their belt. Um, I mean, it's going to be a while before we see any fans – um, in the stadiums and, you know, not that I don't want to get dwell too much on the COVID thing, but we could see a second wave. There could be another shutdown. There could be another break in the league next year. Uh, and we could come back into this situation again. Um, but yeah, uh, it gives an opportunity for these young guys um, to prove what they're worth and to show that, you know, maybe we don't have to spend a lot of money in the summer. Um, you know, maybe we don't have to buy the Timo Werners or, or, or players like that, you know, um, that we've got these guys coming through because the quality in our first team is so good and these young players coming through are playing with these guys every day. Uh, they're getting that experience with these players and it's making them up their game. You know, Trent has come on from his, his, his debut to now. I mean, he's grown, he's literally grown from a boy into a man uh, before our eyes um, coming through this system. Um, and it was completely unexpected. You know, people talked about, oh, young Trent, he's a decent player, but is he going to be good enough for the first team? And then we're talking about him as a potential legend in this team. You already made him a legend. You can't back up on that. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, okay, fair <laughs> enough. But, but yeah, but, you know, that's the thing, Commission. We, we've got a chance to give these kids um, the minutes towards the end of the league here and get them ready for next season so that we can, you know, retain our title. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on, on those, these young guys? I think, I mean, that was my thing. I, I think if we're able to, I mean, obviously we're going to secure this thing. Um, and, you know, they were talking about all the records that are still to be had and stuff like that. In some ways, I mean, yeah, the records are great and everything like that, but I really think I would rather see these guys get opportunities and play, uh, get more Premier League experience. And more importantly, so we know what we have. Like you're saying, there's not a lot of – I mean, it doesn't sound like we're going to be doing any big signings and stuff like that. I mean, there's always, like, up for a surprise, but I don't think financially it's there. But even then, to be able to know what is needed, I think that was one of the things that came out of, for example, you know, I wrote in my piece after the Everton game, is we need a backup left back, one way or the other. We need to sign somebody in the offseason yeah. or find somebody for that spot. So I think, you know, games at the end of the season – hopefully will let us know what we need and then get people some experience and confidence. I mean, you watch, you know, Minamino today. I think he just needs more confidence. It's almost like he reminds me of a guy who's almost like trying too hard. So I think, you know, if he's able to do that and kind of like bring, you, you know, like kind of like go into that game and be like a solid replacement for Bobby that would be huge. I think he's not like a wing player. And watching Nico and Elliot, hopefully they'll grow into those shoes. Nico is definitely very impressive. Uh, he obviously will see like what he does defensively more. I mean, today the ball never crossed the half line for the most part. Uh, but I mean, he is very good on the ball. And 
I mean, we, you know, people keep talking about Trent moving up to midfield. If Nico comes through like he is, that would enable Trent to do that if we decide to do that in the long run. So, I mean, to me, more than records, I would like to see, you know, these players that maybe were on the fence on get more opportunities so we know exactly what we have. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I think, um, you know, uh, with Nico coming through and you were talking about the left back, um, you know, we've seen young LaRucci and, and, you know, we're watching these players develop and it looks like Nico's, you know, finding his place a bit more. And, and obviously with, with players like young Elliot, Elliot's only 17 years old, you know, this kid's still growing, you know, so he, he's, you know, he's going to bulk up a bit more and he's going to be a bit stronger and able to cope with the Premier League a bit more, you know, um, you know, he's got the feet, he's got the vision. Um, we know he has the talent, um, you know, once he grew, and again with, with Trent, you know, we've seen him, when I talk about growing from a boy into a man, he was a skinny little kid and now he's a beast, you know, and we'll see something similar with, with, um, with these young players. We'll see Minamino bulk up a bit. We'll see Nico bulk up a bit. We'll, we, you know, we'll see them, you know, be strong enough for this team, be strong enough to cope with the Premier League and, and the pressure that um, this high intensity football has. You know, you need to be in good shape and you need to be strong to play it. Um, One thing I notice actually is when the young kids come in, I I see them playing so much more freely, I guess. Like you compare to like how Taki plays or, you know, like Keita, Ox, it's almost like they're trying a bit harder to be able to kind of prove themselves and establish themselves. And sometimes it kind of affects them negatively, I think. Sometimes like things are forced. Whereas, you know, you watch Nico today and Elliot today, they play like they always play. I mean, you know, like, it's not like this is like, oh, wow, I'm out here playing with these guys kind of thing. So that's definitely good to see. And that has to come from the coach and giving him the confidence to just go out and do your thing and not kind of like stress over getting the opportunity. I mean, they almost know these, I mean, I'm assuming they've been told that these opportunities are going to be there. Just go do your thing. Don't force anything. Play the system. And you, you know, you kind of like the part of the future kind of deal. So that's definitely great to see out of players like Nico and Elliot. I mean, these kids are heck kids. I mean, so it's very <laughs> impressive to see them perform like that. Yeah, and that that's it. I mean, uh, if you look at players like, you know, Curtis Jones as well, who, who's been kind of impressive when he's been given his opportunity. Um, you know, and I, I mentioned Larushi before, um, and you mentioned about you know the summer and not being able to spend a lot of money. Um, you know, and this format is perfect to to give these kids the opportunity because we're so far ahead. Uh, we can use five substitutions. Um, you can get all these players in. I mean, um, I'm going to ask a question here. Do you see anybody within this squad leaving? Um, hmm. I, I think we well, might have touched on this before, and um, I think if anything, I'm. I think I said Sadio, only because he has a every offseason he's had a real. Um, I don't think Mo's going anywhere. Bobby, I think, loves it here because he, has, he doesn't have the pressure to score twenty five to thirty goals a year. He can just kind of do what he does. But if any, if it's from the top three, I think the first one out um, would be Sadio. Especially, if we you know we're going to win the trophy this year. We won the European Cup. Really, he's won everything there is to win. Yeah. Other than like the FA Cup, the League Cup, and all that, but I think if anything, Saudi would be the first one out of the. He'd be the first one out just to go. I don't know why I have that feeling. I just had that feeling about him. Nothing personal. I think he's great, but I think you know he might just be like, I've done everything there is to do. He wants a new challenge. Um, 
but yeah, I think he would go before anybody else. Okay. Um, I mean, actually, is touching on Bobby quickly. Um, I, I saw a stat earlier on. He's played more minutes than anybody else on their club. Um, he's been involved in more goals than anybody else on their club. There's just all these things with him and Klopp, and, and it just seems like he is uh, the the epitome of Klopp's Liverpool. Um, and I, I, I could see him finishing his career with us. You know, um, I can see him becoming... Again, we talk about legends a lot. I can see Bobby becoming, you know, Lucas is kind of our our, our token Brazilian, so to speak. Um, I mean, I, I always had a soft spot for Fabio Aurelio as a player, um, but, but Lucas seems to be the one that was loved by everyone. Um, Bobby uh, very quickly becoming my favorite player of all time. Um, just... Uh, unreal what, what he's done with us and as, as Hitch pointed out he's not he doesn't have that pressure to put the ball in the net and for I think that's a big thing for, especially for the position he plays I yeah. mean not having that is huge but that's not really what's expected out of him the unselfishness of his game plus the work rate is just yeah amazing and he's you know and that's really one player that we do not have a replacement for in the yeah. squad and we're hoping, you know, I mean, I mean, basically becomes that player. Uh, and I think he has the skill set. It's just a more and more like getting settled and being able to do it. I'm more worried, honestly, like out of the players in the squad. I used to think, Mane, I now, if we if I had to pick that, you know, somebody's going to leave between the two, I know why I'm leaning more towards Salah. Um, like I say, it kind of like we say, it's more like a gut feeling than anything else. I mean, I used to think the opposite. I thought Mane would be the first one to go. But honestly, I'm kind of hoping they seal the deal because one player that I think I can see wanting to leave is probably Genie, Just because I think he enjoys the role he plays. I mean, this is just an assumption on my part, obviously. But and And we know, like, you know, he doesn't always get picked. His spot is not guaranteed and stuff like that. And I think he does like playing the more of an attacking role like he does for Netherlands. So one player that I was hoping to kind of like hear on, you know, getting the contract finalized and locking him in would be him. Because I think he's one of those players that even today, you know, he was not the best. I mean, he had like several opportunities where he could have finished. But his work rate, and as I always say, he's the way he protects the ball, I haven't seen anybody do it better. I, I completely agree with that. I, I think Ginny is one of those players that um, you don't notice he's not there or you don't notice him until he's not there. Yep. You know, it's kind of like, oh, wait, what's missing? And you're like, it's Ginny. It's that <laughs> ability to hold the ball and and take four or five midfielders out of the game just by turning around. Um, I've never seen anybody with the ability to do that. Um, he's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, he's deceptively tall. He looks smaller than he actually is. Um, I think he's like six one, six two. So he's he's a tall guy, but um, but he, he just has this ability to sheath the ball. Like um, Mark Hughes actually was a really good um, person at shielding the ball. Uh, the the former United striker, uh, and the, there's a similarity there in how he holds the ball up. Sadly, yeah. He just can't get the ball off him. <laughs> you know, and the only way to get the ball is to find him. You know, and he wins so many, you know, clutch free kicks um, in and around the edge of our box and, and inside the our midfield where he breaks up attacks or he, he gets himself in, in between the player and the ball. Um, and there's there's very few players on the planet 
um, as good at that as he is. Um, and I, I think, yeah, he would be a big loss. Um, but yeah, so big 4 0 win. Uh, we're waiting for uh, Chelsea v City tomorrow. Now I'm hearing, obviously, with Aguero gone and that meniscus tear, and, and hopefully he gets well soon because he's a good player. Uh, and I actually like watching him play, but um, kind of a little boost for us in the hope that you know we can get the job done quicker uh, and hope Chelsea can get a result for us tomorrow. Uh, I'm hoping for a draw, draw because I will not cheer for Chelsea to win. <laughs> I don't care what it is, what it's for. Um, I am not cheering for Chelsea to win. Uh, but I'll take a draw. Uh, and I'll take a 1-1 draw with the Mason Mount goal just from a fantasy team point. <laughs> uh, what, what yeah. do you think, Coach? What's your what's your hoping for the result tomorrow? Do you want um, uh, a no, City win and we can win the league next week by beating them, or do you want them to draw tomorrow when we get the guard of honor? Uh, at this point, it doesn't matter. I I think I want to win it on the field, but at the same time, I think City have Newcastle too, don't they? Over the weekend on Sunday, I thought possibly. Yeah. I, I haven't looked. <laughs> um, so my personally, I'd like. Uh, let's say City win tomorrow. No way Chelsea doesn't win. And then my first match over there was uh, Newcastle and Liverpool, and I met a few nice Newcastle fans. So let's have Newcastle get to win, I think, on Sunday. We'll have Newcastle win us the league, and then we get the guard of honor on Thursday, and we just party. Hey, from Sunday to Thursday, we party all week long. Yeah, the, I mean. The weekend yeah, the game is like the FA Cup game, though. So they only yeah, have – yeah, between – and that's why we're not playing the weekend, so we get the extra rest because kind of like we're out of it. But – and the word was, and they were asking Klopp about this actually after the game uh, in terms of like the word is Pep was going to rest some people uh, tomorrow so they can kind of keep going because obviously he knows the league is not going anywhere. And he just made fun of like Pep playing those mind games kind of thing. But um, <laughs> I mean, let's just get it done over with. I'm not going to wait another freaking week. So if this takes zero, zero if draw it rooting for Chelsea, whatever it is, I mean, let's just – I'd rather have the God of Honor, I think, than, you know, wait another week for the title. Let's just get the title and start the party. Hey, man, we'll we've do this. Waited, we've waited what? 30 years, you know, what's another week? <laughs> right, I'll say, let's do this. One nil Chelsea, but Pelusic with the goal to sell it for us. That way the American gets us the title. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, I mean. That doesn't help Chris's fantasy points there, so. Doesn't help my fantasy. <laughs> well, uh, I miss a might assist. Miss a might assist. That'll work for me. <laughs> but yeah so obviously I mean that's the big thing will it be guard of honor will we be going there to win it um, I mean I, honestly I don't care either way we've, we've, we've essentially won the league and, and I just want it to be that point where I can say we are officially the champions there's no asterisks there's no voided league none of that shit and I can just absolutely just torture the life out of absolutely everyone that has given me shit for 30 years. I'm coming for you all. <laughs> the, list, the list is coming out. <laughs> yeah, it's coming out. It's a long one. Um, I came here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> Let's do this. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, it's a big thing for us. And, and 
Um, it, it's a big thing for Liverpool fans, and there's a lot of buzz and there's a lot of um, things happening around, you know, the fan groups and the club, and especially here at American Scouser. You know, um, we've been upgrading the, the website. Tim Mitchin has been doing some unbelievable work with that, and, and the rest of the guys have been, you know, really up on our game here. And um, you know, we've been working away with podcasts, um, trying to get the the official Liverpool supporters clubs out there and get their word out there and and, and what about them? We did some local. Uh, some recently, sorry, um, uh, some local and some a little further afield. If you haven't checked them out, um, check out Timuchin's chat with uh, with um, OLSC Berlin uh, over in Germany. Um, we also had uh, LFC Detroit, I believe. Um, coming up in a couple of days, we have Utah. Um, and we also had... Um, uh, the guys from Cop Connect uh, talking about that and and their event next year. Um, check those guys out. Go and join their group. Join our group, LFC America, on Facebook. Uh, to mention you, you had a chat with Utah and you had a chat with Alex. Um, if, if you know, um, if you want to sort of give us a little bit more about that. Yeah, we. I had a chat with uh, before then. It was Ottawa and Ottawa and Utah were kind of like unique in the sense that they're actually trying to become uh, official. Uh, Ottawa obviously is a bit more established. Uh, Utah is kind of like trying to bring the group together and stuff like that. And it's interesting. And I mean, the least we can do at American Scouser is kind of like get the word out. So our followers hear about it. It's, it's a matter of like just being in this kind of like LFC online community together. Um, and then the cop connecting obviously is kind of like the, apart from the boys coming over here, like I was saying on the podcast, it's the closest you can get to Liverpool in terms of like the experience they bring. Yeah. Uh, they already had the dates released uh, for next year. So keep that uh, open. I, it is a private group right now, uh, but we do have the link up front and on the website, if you go there, uh, you can contact Alex or myself or even our page and we can send you an invite to join their group so you can kind of like find out more as it goes. But yeah, it's definitely like an exciting thing for like any Liverpool fan to attend, I think. But yeah, I mean, our ultimate goal is kind of like become this community for LFC, talk to more uh, sport clubs so that, you know, we can kind of connect. There are a lot of fans and I know I was one of them before we started American Scouser where they're in a city with a bunch of other Reds and they don't know. <laughs> So yeah. it's just a matter of like bringing people together and no better time, man, no better time to be unbearable together in the U S. So that's it. I mean, who's yourself? You're, you're in, you're in Pittsburgh. There's a pretty big scene there. Uh, I know Philadelphia has a lot and Philadelphia has a lot of uh, Liverpool fans. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure you're a part of that pitch group group there. Are you guys, how have you grown in the last sort of year or so? Um, yeah, we have. Um, I, the first time I heard about us, it was three years ago, we were, I was at a party, Pitnick Cookhouse, something, and we were BSing about soccer, maybe it was World Cup somewhere. And my buddies was like, oh, like, you're a Liverpool fan. Do you, you know about the group in Pittsburgh? I said, no. So then I go on Facebook, this, that, you know, like, like this and an email to the uh, chairman Loaf, uh, Jordy, awesome dude, and he invited me into the first match. Uh, we had some falling out with the bar. They changed the ownership, so we found a new place, and they've done nothing but great things for us. Uh, it's an industry house out in Robinson, uh, PA, about 15, 20 minutes out of the city, depending on the traffic. But, uh, yeah, they've been great for us. Uh, they've opened up their bar area for us for the Champions League final, bring our flags in. But, uh, yeah, we're always a growing community, always looking for new members. Happy days, happy days. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was one of the reasons I, I sort of, when I looked at Knoxville, 
uh, one of the first things I did was look for the LFC group, and 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 I have to say, it's, it, you know, they've been so welcoming and everything else. And I actually have to give a little little shout out to uh, Rodolfo Cortez, um, who's one of the guys that, that runs things at LFC Knoxville. Uh, he uh, he was diagnosed uh, positive with COVID. Um, he's currently suffering with no no taste or smell. But he, he's been telling me recently he's, he's on the mend and he's looking the, looking better. So uh, just wanted to give him a little shout out. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for joining me, guys. Um, if uh, you haven't yet, uh, follow us on our Instagram page and Twitter at American Scouser Blog. Um, join our Facebook group, LFC America. Um, you can also follow us uh, americanscouser.com on Facebook and check out the website as well there's lots of great articles on there from you know Hooch and Tumuchin uh, Jimmy's got a fantasy league thing going um, obviously Barack with his his match uh, things and, and everything else and all the new stuff that's going up there um, so yeah uh, don't forget to share it with your friends as well your Liverpool friends get them to join the groups uh, uh, and yeah thanks for tuning in uh, don't forget Turn on, tune in, cop out with the American Scotia podcast. You'll never walk alone. After it. After it. Cheers, lads. Ah.